0: good day everybody welcome to theology in the dirt my name is Mitchell Jolly Justin Owens and we have a guest today with us in the office and sir your name is Eric Croft Eric Croft very good Eric tell us uh, tell us what you do for a living my friend
1: uh yeah so I am a full-time career firefighter here in the here in the town and so uh, I've been doing that about uh, going on six years so coming up this march will be six years. And you're a
0: sergeant in the Rome Fire Department, right?
1: I am. I am. So my my full-time job responsibility is driver and then part-time uh, filling in and my captain's off or something like that, filling in for him and um, being in charge of the station that day. And, um, and we just go get after it. I love that.
0: it. I love it. I, I think the reason I'm asking you that, number one, Eric is a, a friend and uh and eric does some podcasting and wants to do some more podcasting but this is theology in the dirt and if all we ever do is have professional discussions with professional theologians about theology um that kind of minimizes what we're trying to do Uh, because uh we've said before that we're all theologians the question is are we good ones or sloppy ones mm-hmm. and and i think the majority of us deal in the world we all have uh Work full-time jobs. You two both work full-time jobs. Justin, you're a business owner, right? Mm-hmm. And you happen to be an elder too, yep. right? Uh, Eric has been in ministry, Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, but you're a full-time firefighter. I was a full-time teacher. And so we're all trying to make application of our theology in the public square of our city and our homes and our world. And so that's what Theology in the Dirt is. So I think it's important that we have our theological discussions with with all of us together who are working life on life with real people, Uh, not just professional theologians. There's a ton of podcasts with superstar Christians, and uh, I never want to be a superstar Christian, uh, but I do want our people, all of us together, to grow together in Christ. And so part of that is we're having to live in the real world. Uh, This building, uh, Theology in the Dirt, is brought to you by Restoration Rome global impact and our building is in the middle of one of the hardest places in our city. And so we're practicing this not just in word, but in deed too. And so, uh, and so it's important. So Eric, we're glad you're here. And so we're glad to be at Restoration Rome Global Impact and uh, continuing that work of foster care and adoption in our city. And so we're moving from our introductions to a sought out component of theology in the dirt that we dropped for the first two episodes of season three and it by popular demand uh it's back and that is a sports hot take hey um there's a theology to sports so the sports hot take is back and so um eric i'm gonna put you on the spot you're our guest and so as our guest you get to go first do you have a sports hot take
1: well i've been a little bit out of the loop Uh, here recently, mainly because I watch, um, Peppa Pig Mm -hmm. (laughs) or, um, what's another thing? Bluey. Yes. Bluey is definitely up there. Okay. Uh, However, I will say, I know it's getting close to March Madness coming up and being one who grew up in the hills of East Tennessee, I love Tennessee basketball. So I'm hoping and, and, and praying that they will make a deep push into the, Hopefully they'll be playing what the first weekend of April when right. the uh national championship comes comes around. So um I'm giving him a fist bump on that. I'm a Tennessee yeah.
2: fan, I'm I'm often alone yeah. and um yeah. so I'm giving him a fist bump on that one. Well and
1: you know, Tennessee football for the past few years has just been terrible and my wife is always trying to get me to jump on the and just go over here, go over there and I'm I said I if you want to you can but I can't. I you're grew, up, real, you're a I real grew fan, up, right? I grew there up there and yeah, you got to stick with them. So, anyways, hopefully they make a deep push this year. Yeah. Be nice.
0: Well, I knew you were a Vols fan, and I knew Justin was a Vols fan. I did not so know like, that Justin was a Vols fan, yeah, so, so that is uh,
1: some enlightening news. Yeah,
2: I'm a failure as a parent because my son is now a Bulldogs fan, <laughs> but um, that's Chris Hayes' fault. Um, <laughs> so I would doubt that's a failure. I'd call that rescue. It's partially From, Mitch's fault too. So, <laughs> I
0: love it. Good. So yeah. that's a, so you're looking for Tennessee to make a deep run in, yeah. in March Madness. We'll see what happens. Okay. And oh, uh, I like it, Justin. You have us a, a sports hot take.
2: Um, yeah. So I think the MLB will come to some type of agreement on the collective bargaining agreement and yeah. get out of this lockout by Monday. You I think, think it'll so? Take, I think it'll take till the deadline, but I think when it comes to push comes to shove, it it's all about money. Yeah. And I think that the threat of losing games uh, is going to hurt everybody's pocket. And so I think that they will come to some kind of agreement relatively quickly. It's Friday, so I think they'll get something done. Even if it's a one-year thing and we do this again next year, I think they'll get something done. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because I think if they want to continue, they always complain about the relevance of baseball and how do you reach the next generation. You don't do that by griping and complaining and delaying games and not having a regular season. Right. So I think they'll get that figured out, and I think the Braves will figure out a way to sign Freddie Freeman. Okay. I think if they don't, that's a disaster.
1: Yeah, that's a bad move if they don't do that.
2: I think they lose all of the PR hype that they just gained by winning the World Series if they let Freddie walk.
1: Right.
0: Yeah, that's – see, yeah – you transition well to my sports hot take because I am torn. Um, the PR of signing Freddie is almost an absolute necessity. I even said at the end of last year, Braves win the World Series. You don't sign, you don't re-sign Freddie. You lose Freddie, you lose me as a fan. Like I, I can't, I can't walk down the road of taking the next Chipper Jones, our next Hall of Famer, and letting him walk.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: However, I can't. From the financial constraint of the money, Freddie, let's just say he's worth it, okay? I have yeah. trouble saying any sports person is worth that kind of money, but I get it. That's, that's, the, that's the business. The, it's the economics. It's the going price, so I get it. Do you give a guy who is going to halfway through his contract because he wants six years, do you give him six and then halfway through it experience that kind of decline because it's coming, the decline is coming. I have hard. I have a hard time believing he won't begin to decline on the backside of that contract. Sure. And are you tying up money that you're going to have to give Ronald Acuna? Because Acuna, we got to listen. You're going to have to pay Acuna. Yeah. I know you signed him for ten years, but in a couple of years, he's going to man. Man, that elbow is hurting. I'm going to miss spring training. Mm. Oh my knees. I'm going to have to miss spring training. Because he's what he's saying is pay me, boys. You got me at a discount, so let's redo this contract. Can't because listen, I'm not willing to lose Acuna. Yep. Uh, I, I mean, Freddie's awesome, Acuna's got the potential to be awesomer for longer, <laughs> for longer, right? So, I don't know. I'm, I'm torn. I love Freddie, he is the Braves. Um, but uh, boy, that idea of six years, that kind of money, and and maybe he doesn't decline, but I feel like. The Braves are forced to roll the dice a little bit. And part of me goes, don't get yourself in a strapped situation. The Falcons are strapped, strapped hard. Yep. Do the Braves want to get in that position? I don't know. So my sports hot take is, here you go. I'm going to draw a conclusion. I, whew, okay, here we go. I don't, do not give Freddie six years. And if he walks, he walks. I think you can move Austin Riley to first. And I think you can find a free agent third baseman because we have a logjam in the outfield. We have talent yeah. that needs to play. Um, I think you can find – we're going to have universal DH. I think that changes a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it also changes that Freddie could be DH as he starts to decline. So I'm not giving him six years and that kind of money. And if he walks, he
2: walks. I'd give him six years, 180. If okay. He if he don't want it, let him walk. Okay. I, I d- hope that happens. But – We'll see.
0: I, hope, I want Freddie.
2: I'm disappointed that they didn't figure something out a year yeah. ago. They could have got him cheaper if they did
0: that a year ago, Yeah, and this wouldn't be an issue. But it will be a PR nightmare. Losing Freddie's bad. Losing Freddie's bad. Yep. All right. That's our sports hot take, and now we're going to move to overtime. Overtime is where we come back to uh, things we've discussed in the past, maybe things that we're discussing in our groups of discipleship, um, and we want to – bring those to light, because a lot of our audience are folks that we have a relationship with around the world and in our city, and we have theological discussions in those small groups and those groups of friends and people, and we want to continue to maybe carry discussion on that we can't always carry on deeper and further. And so uh, so I'll start off over time. Uh, one of my discussions this week with a group of young men I meet with were called the Caballeros de Mesa. The brothers of the table because we sit around a table in a coffee shop and we're brothers in the faith so they're caballeros de mesa and one of one of them happens to be uh, Hispanic and his espanol is mucho muy excelente and so all you Spanish professionals you can critique my espanol but the caballeros de mesa and this quest this question for us this week was when will Jesus be enough
2: hmm.
0: and uh, in in our discussion around Jesus being enough for me is always tricky because I struggle um, with the love of God. Uh, I don't do well knowing like I know God loves me theologically. I believe every word of the Bible. I'm convinced that the Bible is the inerrant word of God. So I believe what it says Uh, experientially. Uh, my, my background in life has not been rose-colored. It has been a challenge. And so feeling God's love for me is often colored by a lot of things. And so, therefore, as a result of that, I have a tendency to put my trust in a lot of things mm. uh, other than the Lord, practically, I'm just confessing and being honest. Uh, and so, is Jesus enough for me? Theologically, yes. Practically, don't feel it all the time. And so we we wrestled through that question, and and, and these are younger men from age, age 28 down to 22. And and uh, one of them said, I sure wish I hadn't come this morning. And joking, like, oh, man, this is tough. If you're 49 and, and you're wrestling with Jesus being enough, like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so wrestling through the reality that each of our hearts have idols that are hidden in them. In life circumstances, God is going to root those out because he loves us, because he loves us. And so for me, it's the redefinition of love because mm. love for me is mostly pleasantness, not, uh, everything that's for my good. Mm. And so we wrestled through what is love and how do you experience the love of God when God's love isn't always just pleasant, but it's a good father making sure I stay a son. Mm. Yeah. And so that, that's uh, that's overtime for me. And I, and I don't, That's a whole podcast. We could actually uh, probably come back and we need to unpack that a little bit together, but um, still I'm working on that. God is continuing to root that idol out of my heart Mm. of uh, what do I have that's in the place of the Lord that I go to before I go to Jesus and that he is truly enough. Mm. So uh, that's my overtime. A little heavy, but just what's there.
2: Yeah, I think the reality that comes to my mind there for the, for the guy who's like, man, you're 49, you should have it. Uh, what came to my mind was the parable of the sower. And one of the ch- one of the uh, dangers, I guess, is getting choked out by the worries and cares of the world and riches of the world. And so uh, as you grow, those worries grow. Those pressures grow. The opportunities and uh, challenges of wealth and money come. Mm. Not that they're not there when you're young, but they... They continue to come, right? That's an ongoing battle. And so it, we, we're warned about that, mm. even being a challenge. Yeah. Mm.
0: That's good. That's good. Um, yeah, it is. Eric, do you, have a, do you have a thought of anything you've been discussing with folks and friends and fellow disciples?
1: Um, I think just from like this past Sunday where we talked about not letting anything compete for first place with Jesus. Yeah. So, I, And I think that just even this past year or two years in 2020 with COVID and people being separated and isolated and not being together in community, it was so easy to uh, to grow apart from, from other people. Um, but then to also, uh, you know, just everyday life. You know, I, right now we're going through uh, a phase of life right now where we have kids. So mm-hmm. if I do not get up early in the morning and spend time in the Word – I'm just not going to do it. I mean, I'm I'm not going to have that time cuz my kids wake up early and they're 100 miles an hour, you know, straight out to shoot. It's right. just go go go. So if I if I'm not disciplined enough, if I'm not truly seeking the Lord and trying to get up before they get up, then it's just not going to happen. And so um taking those sacrifices, you know, of, you know, whether it be sleep or, you know, entertainment, just doing whatever I got to do to spend time in the word, yeah. pursue the Lord. Um, because I am ultimately discipling my kids, so they're going to do what I do. They're going to see what I do, and so, um, and, and there is just so many things in the in the world, and in and just even, even in my life, and I know y- y'all as well. Just there is just so much that is begging for our attention, you know. And so many things that can be easily replaced that time with with pursuing the Lord each day, and so. And then we also talked about holiness, just pursuing holiness, um, you know. It's a constant fight. Uh, a lot of times we talk about salvation is a free gift to us, but everything else is costly. Everything else, discipleship is going to cost you time. It's going to cost you friendships. It's going to cost you your life. Ultimately, I mean, Jesus tells us, you know, anybody who loves his life will lose it. Mm-hmm. So we got to lay our our lives down and seek pursue the Lord. So that's just something that for me and in my household uh, with my wife and, you know, just things that we just kind of constantly talk about. I feel like because we're in this stage of kids and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So it's like what's competing for our time right now. Mm, that's good. That's good. Yeah, that's good. And and
0: all, all believers, all of us who are trying to run this life together on mission together are wrestling through various things. And so um, our lives as we try to live our theology out in the public square of our city world and our homes – uh, we're, we're wrestling through these things. So it's good to be able to come and, and unpack them. And so as people listen, we want to encourage you to to unpack them in your families, with your with your spouses, with your friends, with your family, um, with your kids. And and when you have questions and something you'd like us to go deeper on, we just want to encourage you to send us an email, theologyinthedirt at com, and we'll be glad to address that topic and, and talk about it. And so uh, as as we prepare to move on, we're going to take a little bit of a break. And when we come back, we're going to, address our main topic today, and that is the topic of boundaries. All right, we're back. Thank you so very much for listening to Theology in the Dirt. And today we're going to come at our main topic of boundaries. So boundaries can be sticky. Mm -hmm. The reason boundaries can be sticky is because, um, well, boundaries... uh, particularly as Christians, are something that I feel like many Christians think are not appropriate. And I'll say that because I innately uh, used to think uh, that as a ministry person, boundaries were inappropriate because, and I don't know where this came from, so I, I wish I've sounded my heart in this as to where this came from, but I think because somewhere I had this unspoken Expectation that if you're in ministry, anything goes. Um, not in my behavior, but in other people's behavior toward me. Mm-hmm. That because you're in ministry, uh, you just get to be a whipping boy. Mm. Um, and so I just thought that was part of it. You just got to get used to being a whipping boy. And what I discovered is the more I read my Bible, the more I realized is that there are going to be things that happen to you from people uh, who aren't believers. Um, and those things we receive and we love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us where I was struggling with the issue of boundaries is the internal wounds hmm. the things that came from people who you didn't expect and so as I started wrestling through that through the many years of being in ministry now now for me um, pretty much uh, from the time I became a Christian and, until now which has been 49 years predominant amount Oh, not 49 years, 29 years. I'm 49 years old. I became a Christian at 20. So for 29 years, I've been in some form of ministry. Uh, and so what I've had to conclude by walking through difficult emotional mental seasons is that setting boundaries is not inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, in fact, I would say uh, it is, uh, I would say it's biblical, and so the first thing I want to do, two things I want to do, then I want us to talk a little bit more. And, and I would love for you guys to speak to this: um, what is a boundary? How do you understand a boundary? Mm-hmm. And then is it biblical? Like, is it Christian to set boundaries? Yeah. Um, so, Justin, yeah, give give me your thoughts on <clears throat> what a boundary is, and do you think do you think that's a Christian thing to do?
2: Sure. So yeah, boundaries. I've learned a lot about this over the last few years, gone through a lot of things in my own life that have made me reevaluate this. And um, I think for me personally, my lack of boundaries for a long time came from uh, misunderstanding the teaching on the second greatest commandment, love your neighbors yourself. We take that idea to be, oh, just whatever goes, kind of like you said. Mm -hmm. Um, But a boundary is something that's first and foremost for me. It's not ever anything I'm doing to you. Right, uh, It's a boundary that's in place for me, for my good, and that sounds really selfish and really odd, but I don't put a boundary in place to Eric or to Mitch or to whoever I'm having to enforce that boundary with. I put that boundary in place for me, for my good, and it's a practical application of love your neighbor as yourself. Right. Um, uh, for example... I'll give you an example. I don't know. I don't have a good definition of what a boundary is. Right. But a good example of one would be I try not to have a meeting with somebody unless I know what that meeting's about. That is a boundary for me so that I don't have anxiety leading up to the meeting so that I can be prepared for the meeting. And it's ultimately for their good, too, because then I know what we're meeting about. Right. Um, so it is reciprocal there. There's both and. But boundaries is something for me. Um. Yeah. And that's good. Yeah, it's fairly self-explanatory.
0: Uh, absolutely, uh, Eric. For you, as you think about boundaries, what do you what do you think of when you think boundary? What is a boundary?
1: Yeah, so it's going to be. I mean, kind of similar to what Justin said. I had kind of written down just sort of a definition, and this is nothing enlightening or anything. This is just just personal reflections on me. Yeah. But I said boundaries are a predetermined set of parameters set by me to allow what goes on in my life. So that language is, is intentional. Uh, boundaries are predetermined. So it's something that uh, as far as um, just for example, I'm not going to go to my bedroom with just my laptop alone. Like I'm, I'm not going to do that. It's a boundary I'm not going to do because I don't want temptation or whatever to, to come over. And it's set, it, it's, it's predetermined beforehand so that when things, temptations do come in or something like that, I I know I've resolved in myself I'm not gonna do this. So it's not something I have to sit there and wage. Is this good or is this not? Mm-hmm. So um and and then set and then I said their parameters set by me, they're kinda of going back to what Justin said, it it does kind of sound a little bit selfish because it's it's everybody's different. Your boundaries are gonna be different than what mine are, Justin's gonna be different than what mine are. Um but it's it's kind of a framework for what goes on what, what goes on in your life, who you allow in and, and who you allow to speak into your life? Mm-hmm. And yes, I would say that's biblical yeah. um, mm-hmm. and, and I think that I think of when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, um, you know God has is, is given Moses these are these ten rules or, or not rules, I hate to use rules, but right these commandments mm-hmm. are how you should live and they're for your good. They're they're not to for me to stand over you with a um, right a, a, a hard fist and and beat you when you don't do these things, but they're for your good, you know, don't have any other gods other than me, you know, don't steal, don't lie, don't commit adultery. Those are good things that are going to benefit you in life. And so I think growing up and even now just having this different perspective of, you know, the, the Bible's not just about a bunch of do's and don'ts, right. but Jesus is telling me to do these things for my good mm-hmm. and boundaries are for our good, you know, because like I was reading this morning in the Proverbs and, uh, talks about, you know, a man without self-control is like a, a city with his walls broken down. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no, um, just this onslaught of attacks or no protection or no discernment or anything. And so it is biblical. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that that's good. I, I, good. I
0: completely agree with you. I, I think, um, <laughs> I think boundaries are innate in the nature and character of God. Mm-hmm. I think one of, one of the mistakes that happens in where we live is so many people have a tendency, for whatever reason, to think, if it's not explicitly stated in a chapter and verse of the Bible, uh, that it's not biblical. And that's a failure to understand the nature of what God has done in, in Scripture. Um, Genesis 1 and 2, for me, is always the, the reset. Like, if I need to go reset my thinking, I go back to creation. And, and God, before sin before Adam and Eve sinned, set a boundary of don't do this. Not because God was trying to restrict their joy. He's trying to protect their joy. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't need to know this. This is reality. You don't need to know this. Stay away from this. And that wasn't restrictive. It was protecting their joy. When he created Adam and Eve, he made a boundary when he created Adam and Eve because he made Eve for Adam. And that boundary of for, that little word F-O-R, for, is a boundary. Mm -hmm. Eve was for Adam, and Adam was for Eve. And they were not to be for other people. I mean, that's the basis of the marital relationship, God, mankind, and then that reflected in Adam and Eve. And so the very basis of what considers, we consider marital faithfulness is not a physical action between two people, but a covenant bond between a man and a woman that is not impeded by anything on the outside.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's a boundary that's good.
1: That's right. Right. right.
0: That's right. And it's for their good. It's, it's not for the other people. It's for their good. I think uh, and I would encourage people to go Dr. Henry Cloud. Mm-hmm. His book on boundaries is solid gold. One of the things he says in there is boundaries are for your protection and you don't owe an explanation for them. That's right. And and the example he gives is if you have a fence in your yard, if you're when your fence is on your property, you don't owe that explanation for that fence to anybody in your neighborhood. It's your fence and it's there to protect your property. Mm-hmm. And if one crosses it, you're not like, hey, good. Thanks for in, coming into my yard. It's like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Why are you inside that fence. And so that's helpful. And to realize, I think, Eric, you're right on, those 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 10 commandments, those 10 standards of boundaries are for our good. And so it's in the Word. Boundaries are there for our protection, and it's okay to set them.
2: Absolutely. I think of Proverbs, I think it's four, uh, guard your heart. Yeah. It's the wellspring of life, right? Like, I mean, you can't guard something without protecting it, setting up some kind of boundary, setting up some kind of thing to be ready for. That's right. And even something I've had to learn in my life, even if there's an area where the Lord wants me to grow, I may have to put boundaries in my life to give me space to grow in that way. Yeah. So maybe a year from now, I don't have to have this boundary up. Right. But today I need that boundary so yeah. that I can have space and time to, to let the Lord work in me, to grow, to deal with whatever I'm dealing with, and I can grow through that. And yeah. uh, Pete Zero talks a lot about boundaries and limits and how they go together. Right. Um. We can't live outside of our limits. Right. The most common, I think, epidemic of living outside of your limits in the place where we live is a lack of sleep, over-busyness, trying to do too much, and it leads to burnout. It leads to wreckage mm. in all areas of your life. Yeah. If we go perpetually without sleep, you know, we feel that. And it yeah. wrecks us, and that's just a limit in the way that we're designed. That's right. And so if we put appropriate boundaries in place – we can live within those limits in a healthy way.
0: That's right. I feel like this is, and I'm a, I'm just going to confess my heart. I'm a little nervous about this topic because I'm afraid people are going to listen. This is one of those you stick your head up out of the foxhole and you're bound to get a sniper shot from somewhere um, because I think there is a, a fake spirituality to our post-Christian context that people put the name Christian on top of that reject the idea that, of boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I think the place it gets most abused is inside Christian circles. Mm-hmm. And one of those is the guilt trip of just doing more Christian stuff. Mm-hmm. Just do more stuff. Do more stuff. And 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 in a church culture it is easy to do more and provide more for more people to consume and and then there's this guilt if I don't do it. Mm. Ministry this, ministry that, do this, do that, be here, be there. Be here, go everywhere, in the name of the Lord, and you're not sleeping, you're not mm-hmm. spending time with your family, you're not discipling your kids, but you're doing ministry, yeah. and and meantime, in the meantime, everything is being wrecked.
2: Absolutely, it's it. I've experienced the pushback in some difficult things I've walked through in in either you know other relationships outside the church or even a few within the church. Of oh, why hadn't you just gone and fixed that? Well, I can't fix that on my own. I can try. I can do what I can do. I can forgive. I can love. I can be open to restoration and reconciliation. Uh, but that's a two-way street. Right. And Paul told Timothy, watch out for Alexander the coppersmith. He did me much harm. Right. Like, Paul didn't tell Timothy, oh, hey, um, when when you come to this town, there's this guy named Alexander who who did me harm, and you need to, like, go love him you need to go like love up on him and, and right. try to reach him with the gospel and you need to you know go out of your way to be there for Alexander the Coppersmith he actually told him like watch out for that dude cuz he's going to do you a lot of harm that's right yeah. and that, that's a weird place to pull right from scripture but like clearly Paul had an understanding of like there's a boundary yeah he didn't use the word boundary right but he said watch out for that guy yeah
0: that's right that's right and it, it, henry cloud says boundaries are what you say yes to how you say yes, what you say no to, and how you say no. Mm. Um, and and so, um, if someone wants to verbally abuse you, uh, let's just get real, just real practical. Um, if someone wants to verbally just abuse you in the name of the Lord, just ream you out. Should we receive that? And and, and my que- my answer to that question is no. And here's why. Let's take that same idea over to uh, a young person who's been abused in some manner by an adult. Mm -hmm. Would you tell that young person that, you know, you need to go and let them tell you what they think about you? You need to go and reconcile with that person who hurt you because you need to be a Christian and you need to go talk to them. Would you put them in that situation to be hurt? Would you put them in that situation to fix something they didn't break in the first place? Absolutely not. You would never do that, right? Mm -hmm. But then we turn that around and we expect that of each other to Mm -hmm. put yourself in a position to be wounded or hurt uh, all because of, and we stick Jesus' name on it. And I would say say it's radically inappropriate, and I would go so far as to say to live without boundaries is sin and rebellion against the created order Mm -hmm. of God but we regularly run past them in people's lives and often do it with scripture in hand. And that's bothersome to me.
2: It is. I think um, when you first start setting boundaries, someone told me it may have been reading Henry cloud. It may have been counselor. I went to see, I can't remember, but the people who are going to be most upset when you set those boundaries were the people who were taking advantage of you to begin with. And I was surprised at who that was, right that got upset that I've got this boundary in place, and so
0: yeah, yeah, there used to be uh, uh in my neighborhood, I've got neighborhood stories that are gold gold neighborhood stories, but this guy had a fence in his yard, and he had the absolute best plum trees, so what we discovered was uh, we liked eating his plums, so fence be dad gummed. We can climb fences, so we climb fences, and we were so shocked when he yelled at us and got his BB gun and shot at us. We we're like, "How dare you get onto us? And how dare you shoot a BB gun at us?" And of course, as you grow up, you start realizing I climbed the man's fence and was stealing <laughs> his plums, and and that's and as stupid as that is, that's kind of practically what happens emotionally. People don't like it when they climb in your fence and you say, no, well, how dare you? I want your plums. No, you can't have those plums. Those are my plums. Mm. Now, if you ask me for those plums, kindly, I might share a plum or two with you, but you don't get to climb in, right? And and, and you start going, oh, that starts making sense, right? And, and, and you know, if, if someone decides that uh, they want to, you know, cast their eyes on my wife, well, because I'm a Christian, I don't, oh, that's okay. I just, I just want you to be happy with me. No, there may be a fight. There may be a physical altercation because you stepped over a boundary. And so you start applying that and you start realizing this just kind of makes sense. But for some reason, I think it's easy for us to just not talk about it. And then in Jesus' name and in, in a sense of kindness, maybe it's a fake kindness, we let people pass boundaries that are inappropriate. We say yes and we should say no, and we say no and we should say yes. And uh, and so and so that that's a... Yeah. So I have a couple of thoughts and love to get you guys thoughts and feedback and and you give me your thoughts when it comes to boundaries. One of the things I wrote down that's very important for me is to put up boundaries earlier rather than later. It makes more sense to put boundaries up quicker earlier than after the fact, Um, because once there's incursion, uh, you know, that was a boundary emotionally. Practically, and if you didn't set it, you know when somebody violates it. And so it's a good idea to learn those things earlier in life and set them earlier rather than react later and set boundaries later.
2: I agree. I think Eric's definition. Yeah. Intentionality. hmm Read that again, would you? Yeah.
1: So I said, boundaries are a predetermined set of parameters set by me to allow what takes place in my life.
0: Mm-hmm that's a great definition. That's a great definition.
1: <laughs> and I mean, like, and like you said, I mean, it, I think it can be so easy if, if we don't have those set. say, Hey, the, these are the parameters that I'm, I'm willing to take when somebody crosses those, uh, then a lot of times it can be easy to just, okay, well they, they came in that happened, you know, and, and instead of Trying to fight back and push back, say no, no, no. That was a boundary. A lot of times, it just seems like it just keeps getting pushed further and back, and then mm. something else is is being crossed, or something else, you know, just kind of keeps going on. But being intentional and setting those, um, and allowing other people to know, I think is huge. And yeah, it's you know, the
0: basis of good relationships. Yeah.
1: And I, and I think for me, um, you know, you guys have definitely had. <laughs> I'm not saying you guys are old or anything, but you guys have more <laughs> life experience than I have. Old, um, You're old yeah, yeah. My daughter will say you are old, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> but That's awesome. I feel like um, after we started having kids, I, I don't know. I don't know why it just seems like kids coming in it seems like everybody's got a a idea or way of how you should raise your kids or, you know, this or that. And and like Justin said, a lot of times it can be those people who are closest to you who try to project those things on, on top of you. Mm-hmm. And I know that we're also talking about as far as in the realm of church and discipleship, but I think it's just uh, a real – it's one of those things where I, I have to, as a dad and a father, I have to, for my kids' sake, for my wife's sake, yeah. um, and for our – our good to say, okay, you're not going to, you can't come in, or yeah. you can't say those things to us.
0: Absolutely, I think that's a fantastic example of a boundaries. When you're raising kids, people start assuming, mm-hmm. and they want to put their project their values and maybe their failures onto you as what you should do, and and that's not appropriate. Right, you got a hardworking mama trying to trying to mama, and you're trying to daddy, and somebody's telling you what you ought to do that may be completely opposite a set of values that you've put in place, and it's okay to go stop. Mm-hmm. No, I, no, it, it's actually appropriate to say you don't need to say those things to me. And what's funny, particularly where we live in the South, um, there is a fake kindness that we feel like it's rude to be honest, mm-hmm. and so. And what we've done is take the cultural value of fake kindness and superimpose it onto the Bible, and we think it's Christian to just be fakely nice.
2: And what I would say is uh, that's actually self violence. It's also it, it's very emotionally unhealthy, yes. emotionally immature to not be able to be honest. Now there's yeah. a there is a kind way to be honest. That's right. You it's know, how you it's say not no, permission right? to be a jerk. Right, but it. To not be able to be honest is an emotional immaturity on my part. That's right. Not a problem with the other person.
0: That's exactly right. That's it. I, I wrote down here, don't receive boundary incursions to keep peace. Mm. That's self-violence. Mm-hmm. And and so it, it's okay to know your values and know them early in life and set them up. And I, I think, and I'll just confess this, I had no concept of what emotional health was until about three years ago when it started eroding mm. Um, and, and realize that my whole life has been, to a great degree, open boundaries with no sense of guarding. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are reasons for that. That's not the purpose of this podcast. But I am a perfect example of no boundaries and having to set boundaries later in life. And it's costly. Mm-hmm. It's costly when you don't have boundaries and you start setting them. So I would say set them earlier. Mm-hmm. Um I I said don't put a biblical value on cultural psychoses. Learn what to reject, what to correct, and what to accept. Mm. It, it, that means you kind of gotta know what are your cultural psychoses. And I just talked about one is the fake kindness. Uh not being able to be honest.
2: Mm. Oh, that's um, good. Yeah.
0: Um we're gonna run out of time here in just a minute. I'm gonna throw one more, let you guys have a final word because we are really kind of already out of time. Um But I I would say here, setting boundaries is an example of appropriate self-care and and absolutely essential that I care for myself. If I can't protect myself and my family emotionally and physically, I'm not going to be much good to anybody else. Mm -hmm. So setting boundaries is an appropriate method of self-care. I
2: agree.
0: Agree 100%. All right, Eric, we're going to give you a chance to have a last word. And then justice, you can have a la- Justin. Justice, Justin, you can have <laughs> a take last the name. Word. Justice, that's yeah, good. that's a good word. David Justice. There's your sports hot take. You okay. taking it back.
1: Yeah, so we talked a lot about boundaries today and what they are. Um, but then I'm just, I'm just encouraging. This is just something that, as far as a lot of times it can just be a Sunday school answer, but I don't think we can over overly state the importance of just daily reading and submission to the Word. Mm. Um, because, like we talked about, you're not going to turn the, you're not going to open your Bible and say, and, and see where Jesus says boundaries are good or boundaries are biblical. There's, n- there's not going to be a five step process or anything on how to set up boundaries. There are all sorts of principles throughout scripture that obviously point to us to the fact that boundaries are good, boundaries are biblical. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to know those unless you're spending time in the Word and, um, and submitting to the Lord. And and continue to pursue him and allow him to navigate uh, what kind of boundaries you need personally in your life because everybody's going to be at a different part of season of life. Mm-hmm. I've got young kids. Mitch has grown kids, you know, that are pretty much almost out of the house. Mm-hmm. So so he so he's going to be a little bit different than I am. And mm-hmm. you work in a different job than I work in. And and so um, just just continue to pursue the Lord and um, that's good. And submit to him.
2: Yeah, good stuff. Justin. I think it's important to remember that just because it's a boundary for me doesn't mean it has to be a boundary for you. We're all going to have different boundaries, different limits because of our our life stage, like Eric was saying, because of our life experiences. So someone who has been abused in their life is going to have a whole different set of boundaries than someone who has never had that experience. Hmm. Um, So our, our life stage, our age... Uh, our family and what our family can handle, gifts, limits that they have. Our spiritual gifting, like what am I wired to do? What am I called to do? How how am I? You know, maybe I have a higher tolerance in one area than than you do, and you have it in different areas than I do. So it it is biblical to set boundaries. Yeah, it's also important not to make my boundaries the biblical rule for everybody. Mm,
0: that's good. That's solid. I think you guys, uh, you guys hit the nail on the head, and I don't really have a ton uh, to offer in addition to that. I think it's, it's solid gold. Uh, the only thing I would, I would offer uh, is that as you come to boundaries, be absolutely okay with losing people who won't respect those boundaries. Um, unfortunately, David lost Saul because he would not let Saul crossed the boundary boundary of hating him. David refused to hate Saul. He refused to put his hand out against him. Saul pursued him, and he refused to hurt him. He said, that's for the Lord to decide. Don't let anyone uh, incurring that boundary cause you uh, to hurt yourself by letting them hurt you. Uh, and don't be afraid to lose that relationship. B.J. Thompson says it like this, and I think he's right on. He's a, he's a pastor in Atlanta. He says it's okay to forgive and permanently close the door on a relationship. Mm. And so uh, I think that's okay. Hey guys, we thank you for listening. We appreciate you being part of Theology in the Dirt. Again, I want to remind you, if you would love to submit a question to us, you can send it to theologyinthedirt at gmail.com. Y'all have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you next time. Out.
2: I got this feeling inside my bones,
1: it goes electric.